Hey DJ, are you ready to start another wonder? What what are you wearing? Is that half a Christmas sweater? Yep. And and on the table, these are like there's like half-eaten Christmas cookies. What's going on here? And it, there's like a half a Christmas tree. It's the Christmas season this year. What, what are you talking about? It's only June. It's half Christmas. Oh yeah. We're a couple of guys who like to watch movies Cinema nerds who made it our duty To make a show where we break down, discuss, and review We're the men who watch movies Hello and welcome to another episode of The Men Who Watch Movies My name is Alec and my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner. <laughs> yes, it is. And welcome to another fabulous episode. Uh, we have some wonderful stuff in store for you today. Uh, of course, we're celebrating half Christmas. If you're wondering what that is, well, it's the halfway point to Christmas, June 25th. We're halfway there. We're living on a prayer. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to get down to a little business here. We're going to talk about some movie news. You think that's a good idea? Oh, yeah. All right, so let's get started with This Week in Movie News. All right, my first bit of uh, movie news I have for you guys. They're doing a live-action uh, Hercules movie for uh, Disney. It's uh, going to be uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. What do you think about that? Well, um, that's going to be a little different, but all right. You know, I mean, <laughs> Guy Ritchie knows what he's doing. The have, man uh, knows what he's doing. Don't have too much enthusiasm now. <laughs> no, that's exactly how I feel about it, too. I feel like it's, they already did the animated version. And I feel like there's a, there's a need to do a live-action version. I mean, there's so many of these coming out. I feel like... Uh, it's just the epitome of not having any ideas. They're just like, let's, let's do the live action version. And most of the, it's funny because most of it's like 99% CGI. So you can't really constitute it being live action, uh, cause they have to augment it so much. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's just, that's just my opinion, man. Yep. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, they have a bunch of these coming out. I know they're working on the, they might've finished it already, but the, the live action, uh, little mermaid. And, uh, now they have this one and it's, it's a little too much. Uh, it's a little crazy. Yeah. But good. Hopefully it's good. I did. I the, the one, the one I did like was, um, the jungle book was pretty good. The animated one or the live action one? The, both of them. But the live action one, uh, it was actually pretty decent. The Lion King is, no, nah, it was, it, it didn't hit the mark. I feel like you might as well just watch the original. Yeah, you know, the original one was classic. You got James Earl Jones. And then, of course, uh, Matthew Broderick plays the grown-up version of Simba. And then in the remake, you got, you know, John Favreau, who's producing and directing it. And you got James Earl Jones reprising his role as Mufasa. You are my son and the one true king. Of the kingdom. Uh, yeah, that was a good impression. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much beat for beat the same thing. It didn't bring anything new. Uh, at least the Jungle Book kind of changed up a few things here and there. I don't know. And then they're doing that new... Uh, have you seen the commercial for the new Pinocchio they're doing for Disney Plus? Oh, yeah. I heard it has, about it. Um, um, it has uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks as Geppetto? Yeah. Well, given his recent you know, news and whatnot... I'm not going to get too off topic, Let's but get too off topic here. there was an incident where Tom Hanks and his wife were getting out of a restaurant. The paparazzi were following them, oh, yeah. talking to them. And of course, the paparazzi, you know, bumps into his wife. And of course, um, Tom Hanks goes into this rage and he's like, you know, hey, hey, back the off. It's like, this is the maddest I've ever been. I mean, those paparazzi can get uh, really fucking annoying. So, I mean, exactly. if, if you get Tom Hanks angry, he's usually... I mean, I don't know him personally, but from what I see, he's usually pretty level-headed. So if you get Tom Hanks angry, you must have deserved it, right? Well, I know. I mean, but the thing is that, you know, when he got mad, it was like Burbs mad. Like, he was mad. <laughs> he was, he was, you know, angry. I mean, like, That's to mad. see him mad, it was like, wow. I don't know what any of this shit is, and I'm fucking scared. Next bit of movie news, moving on. Uh, Ezra Miller 
he's finally been dropped uh, from any future projects from DC because of his behavior, all the all the stuff that's been going on. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this stuff. He's been oh uh, yeah, he, I've been keeping yeah, up on his accused uh, of assault and being inappropriate, and it's just a whole bunch of stuff. And he's been going off the rails lately. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's uh nonsense but oh my god you know ezra miller needs to get his you know thing together you know i mean right what's going on i mean you know we we were thinking of this flashpoint stuff and we were, we we're gonna watch it and all of a sudden it's been on hold because ezra miller's stuff and oh my god it's like really really uh ridiculous but oh yeah i hope he gets help uh yeah i mean who knows hopefully hopefully there's i don't know if there's any helping that um, yeah, I, I had tweeted online that, um, I feel like they should replace him. And some people are like, no, they're not going to do that. He, he's in the process of getting help. And, you know, that'd be great, um, if that were true, but, um, it looks like they're, uh, they're still up to their shenanigans. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. Well, that's some Riddler stuff. Cause you know, he's been typing up some kind of, you know, um, Zodiac stuff. He's been typing some stuff and it's like really, really Riddler stuff, kind of Zodiac stuff. He's like... Oh, the, the, yeah. The man needs help. I think uh, I think they're going off the rails there. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people say uh, Grant Gustin should replace him, the one that's on the CW Flash. What do you? What, uh, what's your opinion on that? If they are going to replace him, then Grant Gus is a good choice. But um, they should um, help Ezra Miller. But I've heard that Warner Brothers has given him two chances, and so far. I have no idea what's going to happen. So uh, is yeah. it this COVID stuff that's making Ezra crazy? No, I don't think so. I don't think he could blame it on COVID. Well, the, the, I mean, like, you know, he's been doing ridiculous stuff. I mean, you know, to see him in the news and stuff like that. I mean, ooh, bad, bad Ezra Miller. Bad. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, you know. They're, they're still going to put out the movie that that uh, Ezra is in. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully they'll be able to move past it. Uh, I mean, they could easily just uh, explain, you know, switching the character from Ezra to someone else. Because uh, I believe this, the, you know, the Flash movie is based off Flashpoint. So uh, a lot of people are theorizing at the end there's going to be some time travel shenanigans. And then all of a sudden he appears as someone else and they can explain that, oh, it was time travel uh, that you know, is the reason why he looks different. I don't know. There's, there's different ways they can get out of this. So, uh, I think, you know, just move on from Ezra and then hopefully, you know, they get help and, uh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it is what it is, but no, I'm sick and tired of the stuff, but I hope Ezra gets the help he needs because he's a good actor, but his shenanigans are just so awful. Oh yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Anna de Armas is going to play Marilyn Monroe. I almost said Marilyn Manson. Uh, she, she's going to play <laughs> Marilyn Monroe in a new movie. Uh, have you seen the trailer for it? It's called Blonde. Yeah, I think I've seen it. It's um, very, very good. Uh, any person who does a biopic of uh, Marilyn Monroe is, you know, awesome. Uh, by the way, there was a biopic about Elvis and someone is playing Elvis and... Oh, Austin yeah. Butler is playing Elvis, yeah. and, uh, and I think he actually sings too. So it's, that's going to be interesting. I like when the when the actor can do the whole thing, you know, like kind of like um, I I can't think of his name right now, but uh, that amazing uh, Elton John biopic, uh, who Rocket Man, yeah, Rocket Man. Uh, what was the actor's name that played Elton John? Uh, Taron Egerton. Edgerton, yeah, uh, Taron Egerton. Uh, he did an amazing job and, you know, he did all the singing and that was amazing. You know, he Fantastic. didn't, he didn't he sound hundred percent like Elton him. John. Yeah. He didn't sing a hundred percent like him, but it was, it was, it, he still did a wonderful job and it accomplished, you know, what it needed to do. And I think, uh, I think it was a really great movie. Uh, hopefully, you know, they can do the same with, uh, this Elvis one. Now, Baz, uh, Lerman, I believe is the director is, um, he he's known for like incorporating like um like modern day music and stuff. Hopefully they keep that stuff to the minimum and but it, you know uh, with him it's going to be very stylized and um and stuff like that. So hopefully hopefully it's pretty decent. Um but the actor looks great. I mean the fact that he can sing uh is wonderful. It's a wonderful little extra bit of uh a talent there. And uh yeah. And and he got a uh a glowing review from uh, Elvis's family, so 
So, yeah, so hopefully. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like, Tom Hanks is in the movie, so... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting, but he has that accent. Uh, Does he play um, Elvis Presley's, you know, manager? Yeah, yeah, he does. Mr. Something Something. I forgot the name of the character, but... uh, I think that's his name, Mr. Something Something. (laughs) Well, he he sounds very Southern, and he's like, uh, uh, I wish you to promote you, Mr. Presley. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So uh, back to the Marilyn uh, Monroe biopic. Um, yep, I think uh, I think she, uh, from what I saw in the trailer, I think she does a good good job embodying uh, the personality, the look. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give that a, a look when it comes out. Yep, I'm gonna give it a look also. But um, also in movie news, Top Gun Two Maverick, it's doing good. And yes, it's it awesome. Is. It is. It's doing really good. It actually uh, passed 900 million at the worldwide Woo-hoo! box office. And y- you saw it. You oh, saw yeah. It. You finally I, saw I, it. I did. One of these men watched a movie. You know? Yeah. I um, I tried to, you know, contain my compulsion of seeing movies, but, you know, it is what uh-huh. it is. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I... Even though you didn't take me, I'm I'm going to allow this to happen. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know me. You know I mean? Yeah. I um didn't know about your schedule, but hey, I mean, we'll see it sometime. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I still want to see it. I heard it was great. Did, now, let me ask you. Did you cry at the end of the movie? Not really, but... Okay, I'm just wondering. Actually, <laughs> no, just there right. was one part. Um, the Val Kilmer emotional. scene Ooh. was so emotional. Yeah. Matter of fact, they got a digital voice for him, and he yeah. was, you know, typing on his computer and whatnot. Admiral Kaczynski, or Iceman, as they call him in the movies, mm-hmm. um... Really, really awesome. Val Kilmer plays it really, really awesome. And his performance is fantastic. I hope he's doing good. Uh, We wish him well. We hope he feels better. For sure. And uh, last bit of movie news here. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, I believe we talked about this before. He's playing Craven the Hunter. And uh, a little bit of new news came out about his role as Craven. Apparently, uh, he's going to be an animal lover and a protector of the natural world. So that's a different take on Craven. Uh, Usually he's known for being a hunter who hunts animals. So uh, that's a very big departure from uh, the Craven that we know. What do you think about that? Oh, it's going to be awesome. You know, I didn't know they were going to change it, but... Uh, I don't know if awesome's the operative word. But the, I mean, the it's, it's going to be... It is what it is, but you know... Um, yeah, Top Gun 2 Maverick is so awesome. I recommend <laughs> it to everyone else. I like how you... Uh, I like how you steered away from uh, from talking about Craven. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that, you know... <laughs> If you guys like Top Gun 1, see Top Gun 2, Maverick. <laughs> go, go see it. Yeah, I believe that wraps it up for uh, this week in movie news. Yep. Now, let's get on to the main show. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. As we brought up in the beginning of the show, uh, it's half Christmas. So uh, we, we got half a month left until uh, Christmas. Uh, it is Christmas time. The jolly season. Yes. But until then, we're going to celebrate uh, with some uh, Christmas movies that aren't quite Christmas movies. Now, by that, I mean uh, it takes place during Christmas, but they're not necessarily about Christmas. So can you uh, can you think of some movies that are Christmas but not quite Christmas movies? Die Hard. Die Hard. Um, that's a perfect example. I love Die Hard. We talked about it on our Bruce Willis episode. Uh, go check it out. It was our little tribute episode to Bruce Willis. Um, but I feel like I didn't go too in-depth uh, in detail about Die Hard. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, discuss that. Yep. Um, amazing movie. Oh, it's very, very terrific. You know, you got you know Bruce Willis. You got uh, Ellen Rickman. Oh, yeah. Badass actor. The Definitely. best of the best. Uh, amazing, amazing villain. You know, oh, yeah. Hans, very, Hans very Gruber. Good. Hans uh, Ruber. Such a badass. Yeah, you know, such a... The way he disguises his voice from uh, uh, British to American to uh, yeah, I love that other scene. stuff. Yeah. That was such an a amazing scene because, you know, he, all of a sudden you think they're going to clash right away. But, you know, of course, um, Bruce Willis's character doesn't know what Hans Gruber looks like. And then uh, he pulls off that accent. Uh, of course, Bruce Willis didn't trust him. Uh, John McClane didn't trust him. Uh, so he gave him the gun that wasn't loaded. Smart move. Brilliant, brilliant move. Because <laughs> uh, the minute he tries uh, shooting him with it, click, it's empty. I love it. I love that scene. Uh, the one me who too. steals the show for me is uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that guy is so funny. You know, the guy who said, you know, 
Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Yeah, yeah he was he was hilarious. Uh, I feel like I identify with him a lot because he's just a guy who's he just wanted to relax, eat some snack cakes. Yeah, and, and uh, he, you know, he got into some situation where he got called into work and he didn't want to, you know, he didn't necessarily want to be there, but he did his job and he did it well. And uh, yep. I love the little friendship that they have, uh, you know, him and uh, John McClane. They develop it without even seeing each other's face. I, I love those moments they have together where they're talking over the radio. And uh, he knows just just from uh, speaking with him, he didn't even say it, but he knows that he's a, a fellow police officer. Uh, just by the way he's carrying himself and the, the way he's uh, identifying all the suspects in the building and communicating. Uh, he knows he's a fellow cop. And I love that Yeah, but it's so connection. awesome the way, you know, it happens. But, you know, Reginald Van Johnson was in the first Die Hard movie. He was in the second one. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah, so awesome. You know, he, he does that part brilliantly, you know. And whenever uh, William Atherton plays the reporter... Oh, yeah, As that's right. plays that uh, obnoxious reporter, he just, you know, does it with such awesomeness. But, you know, he just plays that obnoxious reporter that oh, yeah. just makes everyone, everyone angry. And it begs the question, why was he in the second one? I don't know. Well, you know, uh, I mean, he was in the Ghostbusters, so... Oh, yeah. And the, go figure. That, that's a funny thing about this movie. It has a lot of uh, Ghostbusters people in it. I've heard some people refer to it uh, jokingly as uh, Ghostbusters Jr. Because you have, uh, of course... Uh, William Atherton played Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. He plays the the news reporter who freaking exposes uh, John McClane's family. What an idiot! <laughs> and uh, and then um, you have uh, Reginald Val Johnson who plays the police officer, which he also played a police officer in Ghostbusters uh, when the Ghostbusters get arrested. Yo, Ghostbusters! The mayor wants to speak with you guys. The whole island's going crazy. Yeehaw! That's a good movie. <laughs> and uh, it was just funny because he plays a police officer a lot, and of course his character, you know, Carl Winslow in Family Matters, he was a police officer Ooh. as well. Very, very good. You know, he plays it with a very authoritative way, and he's so good in those roles. But yeah, yeah, you know, I remember the one time, and this was an interview actually. He was actually going to be, you know, Winston Zedmore in the Ghostbusters movie, but. That role was, you know, obviously uh, taken by, you know, Ernie Hudson. So, uh, yeah. So, Reginald Van Johnson had a very, very, very small cameo. So Is that, is that true? I don't know. Technically. I, th I thought it was going to be Eddie Murphy that was originally the Winston role. Well, actually, it was Eddie Murphy. Then it was Reginald Van Johnson who wanted the, the role of Winston Zeddemore. But I guess, you know, the role was for uh, Ernie Hudson. So, uh, oh, yeah. He's the one and only. Go Ernie Hudson. Oh, yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you have one of Hans Gruber's people is played by, uh, I believe is William von Homburg. Uh, yeah. the, uh, the guy who played Vigo, the Carpathian. That was him? Yeah. yeah the, if you look at one of the, uh, one of the guys in Hans Gruber's group, uh, it's, it's, it's Vigo. Oh. Yeah. So you have a little Ghostbusters Jr. movie going on here and <laughs> a lot of Ghostbusters actors. And then, of course, you have uh, the the wonderfully annoying uh, asshole uh, police chief. You know, he was the principal in uh, Breakfast Club. Have you, have you seen Breakfast Club? Oh, yeah, I have seen it. It is super, super, super awesome. I give it two thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Um, I love uh, I love that little backstory that Reginald Bell Johnson's character has. About how he um, he accidentally shot the kid because um, he had a toy gun, and uh, they made they turned him into a uh, basically behind the desk guy, and later on he gets his redemption because uh, there's a point in the movie where uh, John McClane he kills uh, one of the guy's brothers, and so that guy he wants revenge, and then he's like the last one I believe he's like the last one alive. Uh, at the end of the movie, and uh, they think they're all safe, and all of a sudden, uh, the guy's brother comes out with the machine gun. And he starts firing on him, and then John McClane jumps on his wife, you know, to protect her. And then all of a sudden, you see some gunshots taking out that guy, and then they focus on uh, what's this character's name? Carl, or no, that's <laughs> that's from Family Matters. But oh, um, Al, Al. Uh, wonderful little redemption story, you know, out of all the different, you know, plots that are going on. I, I like that little redemption story that he has. Yep. Uh, very, he, very he, good. He said that he didn't want to pick up a gun again after he accidentally shot that kid. And, you know, he finally, he finally worked up the courage and he saved the day. Dun, yeah. da, da.
But uh, this whole movie is just so badass, and I love... Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's super, super awesome. But, um, yeah, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, diehard movies are so awesome, um, yeah, you know, I, I wish uh, Bruce Willis a speed recovery from his aphasia. So I, you know, he's, um, you know, the legendary actor. So I hope you feel better, Mr. Oh, yeah. Willis. Oh, yeah, definitely. What are uh, what are some of your other favorite moments from Die Hard? Oh, the just the action in general, you know, just the oh, yeah. action, just the bang, 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 shoot him up. Uh, Bruce Willis, you know, back when he had hair, now he's bald. So, <laughs> I mean, he had it, he had it cut really close, but uh, yeah, but you know, it it, it is what it is. You it's know, a good look. I mean, it's a good look. You know, yeah. now, n- not to be biased, but I think not it's to be an biased, but look. it is awesome look. Uh, forget hair, forget hair. It's it's worthless. <laughs> you know, like um, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And From the shield, he's epic. Um, yeah, I just love, I just love, uh, I like all the character, the cast of characters. Each of them have their own, you know, wonderful personality. I like that one guy, Argyle. He's the um, the, um, the the limo, limo driver. driver. Yeah, he was, he was funny. Like he was just, he was just in his own zone. You know, living his life in that limo, parting it up. It's he just like snacking and listening to tunes and stuff. Yep. And, um, and then even even uh, even he has his own little hero moment at the end because he's waiting f- uh, for uh, John McClane because uh, he was going to see how it went with his wife because his wife you know got a job of course in in uh, Nakatomi LA. building yeah in the Nakatomi building uh, and he's a New York cop and he had some stuff to finish up in New York and so they kind of had a falling out and she went to L A without him and. Um, so their relationship is on the rocks. They're still married, and they have a couple kids together. Um, so he was going to come out and visit her um, at her request uh, for this Christmas party. They were going to uh, meet up there and you know see how things went. And if all went well, uh, you know he was going to stay with her at her place. And so Argyle, the the cab driver, was waiting for him to see how things went. And uh, if um, if things didn't go well, he was going to wait there to pick him up and, you know, take him to a friend's house or something like that. Right. He was staying with a friend, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I like that scene uh, when Argyle uh, realizes, uh, you know, of course, for the mo- for the most of the movie, it, you know, he, he's kind of oblivious to what's going on. That's kind of like a little comic relief there. But finally, eventually he realizes what's going on. And there's that part towards the end when he sees that 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 nerdy dude who's hacking it or he was breaking into the safe. Um, oh, I mean Clarence Gilliard Jr. Uh, yeah, he was breaking into the safe, and he um, he went to disguise himself as an ambulance driver as a getaway. And so they had uh, inside the truck that they showed up in, they had an ambulance there, so that that way they can get out uh, unseen by the FBI and the police and whoever is there at the scene, uh, which is a kind of brilliant move. Uh, but of course, Argyle is there waiting for John McClane, and he sees the fake ambulance pull out of the truck. And so he's like, hell no, I'm going to get this guy. And he rams his car and kills uh, the fake ambulance driver dude. Uh, so even he has his little hero moment. I love or knocks it. him out. It knocks him out. Or, I'm not sure exactly. I don't I don't think they show what happens to that guy. Uh, but he deserves what he gets. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, he's he, part of this He's a group. bad guy. You know, he's they're just... all uh, pretending to be terrorists, but they're really just thieves. Yeah, you steal mean, money. you know, Alan Rickman's dialogue was so, so good that oh, yeah. he deserves, you know, all the credit. All the you know, may he rest in peace, Definitely. good sir. Yeah, he amazing villain. I like how he was he was always like twenty steps ahead of every, everybody, um, except for John because he's he's badass. Uh, New York cop doesn't take shit. Um, but yeah, I like how he's like you know he's always thinking ahead. It was always it was always his plan to get the FBI there because he knew they were going to shut off the power, and which is what he needed to disengage the. Uh, like it was like an electromagnetic lock on the safe, and so he he planned out everything, and he was planning to blow up the helicopter full of hostages. It was so nefarious, man. That was yeah, very, very, very nefarious. Yeah. But yeah, but, you know, John that... John saved the day. He realized that there was a bunch of explosives on the roof, so he got all the he got all the hostages out of there, and uh, yeah, he's a hero, man. He's a hero. Yep. All right, there's some other uh there's some other uh Christmas non-Christmas movies that we can talk about. Yep. Another great one and it's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. Batman Returns. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Very very movie. awesome, you know, the the sequel to the 
1989 Batman. Yeah. Because I didn't know that was going to happen, but hey, you know, I thought it was someone else in that. Me either. I was only... But hey, it's Danny DeVito. I was only two when it came out, so I I had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, Well, yeah, you know, it was a very, very different movie. Matter of fact, it got... Um, someone wa- someone in McDonald's wanted to make toys out of it, so oh, yes, yeah. guess... <laughs> yeah, we talked about that, I believe, on one of our previous episodes. Yeah, it was very, um, very weird, but, yeah, but the whole controversy it is what it is because they made kids' toys out of this movie, and it, you know, of course, kids wanted to go see it, and it was very it's not like super <gasps> like rated R or anything, but it's like you know, it has like a lot of graphic scene, like you know, the penguin biting off a guy's nose, and then parents were mad, and yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is, but you know, now that they're grown up, they can see it. Yeah, I suppose exactly. I mean, kids kids are s- still watching movies that they shouldn't. I mean, I've we we, we went uh, not you and me, but I went to see Django, and uh, there was there was freaking kids in the theater <laughs> watching <laughs> Django Unchained. Like, what? Who, who whose idea was this to let you? In? I have no idea, but hey, you know, somebody I mean, needs to talk to your is. parents. Um, same thing with the, there was that movie. I don't know if you've seen it called Savages. Oh, I've seen it. It was with, very, yeah, very, with, very, very, very violent with Aaron Taylor Johnson and um, Taylor Kitsch. And then I forget who, who the female lead was. I think it was um, Selma Hayek. Oh, she was in it. Yeah. But uh, the one I think it's uh, is it the one that Ryan Reynolds is married to now? What's her name? Uh, something, uh, something, something, something. Uh, but yeah, I went to see that movie and it's about these, uh, it's about like drug dealing and stuff like that. And there's like sex scenes in it. I mean, they're yeah, not graphic, I mean, not graphic, but you no, know. it's, it's nothing for kids to see. And then someone oh, had their kids in there. No. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Yeah. So it's like, not to get too up top, but I heard that, you know, in a Mark Hamill interview when he did the movie called The Killing Joke, uh-huh. Batman, The Killing Joke, yeah. it turns out that kids told him like, Hey, you know, I, I want to see this movie. And he'd say, you know, like, don't, don't don't you watch that? <laughs> but yeah, hey, yeah. Killing Joke is a definitely. It's more of an a adult uh, Batman movie. story. You know, it's I not, actually it's not crazy it. graphic, but it's definitely it's not for kids. You know, it actually was really really good. You know, the dialogue was awesome. I couldn't believe that Batgirl was actually narrating most of the movie. I thought it was going to be Kevin Conroy, or because it's you know Batman's movie. So I don't know how Batgirl was going to narrate the movie but i don't yeah. understand why and just to make it uh probably a bit longer add some more depth to the story some people didn't like it i didn't mind it it's whatever um back to batman returns uh how did you like that movie overall oh it was awesome you know i, I give it a two thumbs up yeah what, what, what would you say is your favorite part of that movie uh batman just beating up the carnival people <laughs> that was pretty fun uh yeah you know one, one thing about one thing that people don't like about keaton's batman is his uh, uh lack of regard for people's lives uh whatever i think it's fine i think it, i think batman i don't mind if batman kills sometimes yeah it, but uh it, it gets the was there a done. rumor that batman doesn't kill but he did kill in the first one and yeah the second i mean one? In, in the uh in the original uh comic books he had a gun with them you know yeah but uh bob king's editor said you know a uh, hero should never carry a gun. You know, that a uh, hero should just be like, you know, whatever he should be. Yeah. Um, the late Bob Kane. May yeah. he rest in peace. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't mind that so much. Uh, I, I love some of those scenes. Like in the first Batman movie and the 89 Batman, when he, uh, he, he, had, he dropped that bomb out of the Batmobile and he blew yep. up those goons. Yeah, it was just like, you, you know, know, out of nowhere. But hey, you know, there was... was uh, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to finish them off. You know, they're, you know, they're going to come back and kill people. So it might as well save a few lives. You know? Yeah, but I didn't realize it was going to get that on a yeah. level of stuff. But in this one, didn't he like, he set someone on fire? He set that guy on, he set a, the fire eater on fire. Yeah. <laughs> he set him on fire. And then, of course, the guy who pulls a sword out of his mouth uh batman just pulls the sword out of his mouth and just punches him and of course it's like what's going on i mean like, you know, I, it's, it's a good movie isn't but there, i would is, not recommend it for kids isn't there no, one instance no, where like he blows no. up somebody again like he, something happens oh yeah the um uh the the big guy um the, the um the strong man or whatever his name is but i remember one time there was a scene where um the remote chart was you know, attached him, of course, and of course, Batman punched him. And of course, when that tie bomb started ticking, he just, you know, oh, yeah. Batman punched him and all of a sudden, <laughs> boom. Yeah, he blew, the guy blew up. I love yeah. it. I love vicious Batman. And then, of course, I love that scene where he meets uh, Selena Kyle for the first time. 
I think she's trying to get uh, the speech to her boss, played by uh, Christopher Walken, Christopher that Walken. legendary dairy actor. Yeah. And uh, so she's going to take it down to him. But then um, turns out the penguin had unleashed a plan where he, he sent like this giant present full of his goons to, I guess, kidnap Max Shrek, you know, played by Walken. And then, um, you know, she gets kind of caught in all the, the chaos. And then so he saves her. Uh, there was a clown with a, um, what do you call it, a taser. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he gets his uh, grapple hook and he shoots it and it hits the wall. And he's like, you missed and then and all of a sudden he grabs the thing and he yanks out a chunk of brick and it hits him in the head. Yeah, I you know, I it is what scene. it is, but it's like, um, I love yeah, that scene. it's really, really good. But uh, I like the part where the penguin says, uh, I should teach her my French flipper trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny DeVito is a penguin. I think that was Angry wonderful casting. Man. He is the penguin. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but no, I, um, wasn't he in the remake of Dumbo? And of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Colin Farrell was in there, so I guess that's a little crossover, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, but... Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he, for some reason, he wears a lot of top hats in, in Tim Burton movies. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I mean, I um yeah, thought I mean, that he was going to get a cigarette holder, but turns uh-huh. out he didn't have one, so I don't know what happened. Yeah, you just got to hold it with your fingers, I guess. Well, I think it was um, because he resented, you know, he hated his father because, you know, what happened in the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. Which I found it to be very, very, very... Sad. Yeah. What did you think about the the new take on the penguin? Because beforehand, I think he was just a, a like a guy in a suit and like a tux, right? He was just like a crime guy in a in a tux. And this one, they made him more like a mutant, like because he he was born with like flippers and stuff. Yeah, his hands look like you know lobster claws. So uh, his parents, played by Pee Wee and Simone, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pee-wee's big adventure. Yeah, so uh yeah, the the dad of Oswald Cobblepot was uh Paul Rubens, Pee-wee Herman and uh the one who played his mom uh was I forget her, I forget the actress's name but uh, I think she was in Pee-wee's big adventure. She was the one that wanted to go to France uh that he met while working at the restaurant uh when he was washing dishes or whatnot. And uh she had the boyfriend Andy who was trying to beat his ass with the like the giant like uh, dinosaur bone? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that. Um, so yeah, so it was a little cameo by some Pee Wee's Big Adventure people because yeah. it was directed by Tim Burton. Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, those were those were Oswald Cobblepot's parents, and they they didn't want a flipper boy. So yeah, so they just threw him so in like the river in a wicker basket. Yeah, so they dumped him down the sewer. <laughs> very very dark, but yeah. hey, you know it is what it is. Yeah. It's just a movie, I mean, so hey, it's 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 uh it's a Batman movie, you know. Yeah, I love it's a it. Batman movie, but hey, you know they're it, it's really really good. You know, the first one is excellent, the second one is excellent. Um, yeah, I just like Michael Keaton's Batman performance. You know, uh, there was like a a writer strike about you know uh, if Michael Keaton's gonna play a very very good Batman, and it turned out you know people were serious, and you know they just. You know, said like you know, hey, we, we can't make this campy again. We we ha- we gotta make this more you know noir, make it more different, make it more um, different. You know, something different, not too comical, but just more you know edgier. Uh huh. Yeah, and all that changed after the whole controversy uh, with Batman Returns, and then uh, yeah, and then that's why they made the Schumacher movies, which is a whole another story. Well, you know, the thing is that you know the <laughs> Batman Forever is actually pretty pretty good. I mean, you know, despite the fact, you know, Bill Kilmer's Batman, which he is terrific. Uh, Nicole Kidman plays a psychiatrist. Um, Chris O'Donnell is in there. Um, Tom Lee Jones as Two-Face. Uh, I didn't like it, but <laughs> Jim Carrey's Riddler, spot on. Oh, yeah. He had fun with it. He's um, fun. We talked, and of course, we talked uh, about all of this in our uh, Guilty Pleasure movie episode. Oh, yeah. So we could... Check that out if you want to hear more on that subject. But uh, you know, Batman Returns. Uh, yeah, and uh, in Batman Forever, John Favreau makes a very, very small cameo as um, uh, Bruce Wayne's um, uh, one of the um, the uh, guys who works with for him. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, if you look at a clip of it on the YouTube, you'll see him on the other side, and he's just walking and. Of course, he doesn't talk, but you can see him. He's just he's shaved and, you know, he's like, you know, young and he's like in his 20s or 30s. I have no idea. But um, 
it surprised me because I didn't know about it until I looked it at the credits and I'm like, <gasps> John Favreau from uh, Iron Man. Huh. And I didn't Friends. know. I you're, you're a man full of facts. Pretty much. You know, there there's like so much stuff. And yeah, I remember, you know, when um, John Favreau was, you know, the producer of Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, he lost a little bit of weight. And of course, nowadays, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> I guess it's the nice way of saying he... He's no longer skinny. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not, not going to... We're not going to get too off too topic. Too off topic. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so, movies like uh, that are awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Batman Returns. Um, awesome. So, what, what would you say your, your favorite part of Batman Returns is? Oh, I like Dane DeVito. You know, he's yeah, just he's so favorite. angry. And he's like... Uh, he just, you know, just says, you know, a lot of weird stuff, but hey. Uh, no, he was great in that. Of course, m- m- you know, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Um, definitely iconic. Well, actually, there's a reference to the first one, actually, and it says, you know, that she says, you know, uh, hot in the town tonight, and that was a reference to Jack Nicholson's Joker. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it was like, it's going to be a hot time in the cold town tonight or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember be that. a hot one in the old town tonight. <laughs> that was great. I've given a name to my pain, and it is Batman. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good. We don't, we don't need it, a soundboard. We can just have you do all the sounds for us. <laughs> pretty much, you know. I uh, saw a little bit of the uh, Kenobi series, and much to my surprise, pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, the, get in, we'll get into that more Oh, later. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but don't worry, guys. You know, we're, we're still, you know, talking about movies, so... Oh, yeah. If you're still watching, keep on watching, everybody. You know, uh, I saw a fact online. Uh, Doug Jones is in uh, Batman Returns. What does he play? He plays one of the clowns, one of the, the Penguin's henchmen. He plays, the tall guy? I think he's credited as Skinny Clown. Uh, but, yeah, he's... Uh, I saw on his Twitter... That he, he was uh, he he was uh, posting about the thirtieth anniversary, so it's, it's interesting. I didn't know he was in that movie. Yeah, I didn't know that Doug Jones was even in there, but uh, for him to play a skinny clown, yeah, you know, I mean, it it is what it is. But you know, I didn't understand about that stuff. But hey, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But so, yeah, you know, the uh, Batman movies are so awesome. Even the Adam West. TV series Batman, so awesome! I give it two thumbs up. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on, uh, another uh, another movie that um, I usually like to watch during half Christmas. It's another one of those Christmas but not Christmas movies. Iron Man three. Oh, you mean Iron Man three with the Mandarin? <laughs> yeah, with the so-called Mandarin. The so-called Mandarin. Well, now, what do you think about that movie? Well, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Despite the fact that, you know, Ben Kingsley was going to play the Mandarin, and it turns out he's just this washed-up actor named Trevor Slatery. But the way he delivers that dialogue is so awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, never going to know who I am, and you'll never see me coming. That was that was amazing. Yeah, you know, I was a Mandarin for Halloween, actually. That's the, right. I made you your... Mandarin, uh, so, yeah. I made you your uh, rings. Oh, yeah. They're very, very good. You know, it's just so awesome, you know. But it just, you know, begs the question, is Ben Kingsley going to, you know, do more movies? Uh, you mean like more uh, more Marvel movies or just movies in general? Uh, Marvel movies in general and other movies in general also. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be in a lot more stuff. I don't know about for Marvel, but that I like how they included him in uh, Shang-Chi. That was great. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people didn't like that twist uh, with the Mandarin. I thought I thought it was fairly appropriate. Uh, you can't really have man the Mandarin as you see him in the comic books. Yeah, because um, I heard that on some um, stuff that um, the uh, they weren't going to put the Fu Manchu in the third Iron Man because they don't want the Iron- the Mandarin the fake Mandarin to have a Fu Manchu because of uh, stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of those. Uh, Early comic book depictions were really like racist, uh, so I'm glad they didn't. They kind of modernized them for this, and then they really did a really good job of making uh, you know the more modern day Mandarin and in, in Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So that, well, it was really good. Yeah, so I feel like that's that's a way better depiction of the Mandarin than um, than the Trevor Slattery version. But I mean, uh, the Trevor 
Trevery. The Trevor version was, it served a purpose. You know, obviously it was, it was Aldridge Killian who was behind it. And he was creating this fake persona based off of, uh, Probably, you know, he heard about the real life. Yeah, he heard about the real life Mandarin at some point, and so he decided to uh, take take that identity and use it, uh, you know, for his faux terrorist persona. And so I thought that was an interesting take, uh, especially you know with all the, you know, it's based on you know loosely off of of different real life scenarios and situations. And uh, oh yeah, it was very very you know. you know, clever, you know, you get a fake Mandarin, turns out he's a washed up actor, but all in all, I still loved Iron Man 3. I oh, still yeah. give it two thumbs up. Definitely. I that uh, feel like it's very underappreciated. I mean, it, it showed uh, some interesting aspects of how Tony Stark was dealing with the aftermath of, um, you know, the Battle of New York and learning about like, you know, there's a such a such a massive universe out there. Uh, you know, more than just humans, there's all these different aliens and they're trying to attack and he had PTSD. I feel like, I feel like he did a really excellent job of portraying that anxiety uh, and that sense of like, you know, I need to do something about this because, you know, we may not make it through this next time, the next time they decide to attack us. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome. You know, the way um, uh, they got the fake Mandarin, Turns out to be a washed-up actor. Ben Kingsley did a a performance of a well, 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 good job. Very, very good. What do you think about the whole um, like Tony Stark anxiety thing? That was- um, it was very, very, very different. Because in the other Avengers movies, he doesn't have anxiety, does he? I mean, I don't know, because he's like you know a superhero. He's worth you know billions of dollars and he's like really really awesome and he's like the richest man ever and he's like a superhero so in a way he's like um an inventor of some sort yeah yeah i think it really hit him hard especially you know in iron man 3 because it was just directly after the battle of new york and this is all new to him so it makes sense that he would he would kind of freak out and you know i think any of us wouldn't handle the you know, being attacked by, you know, uh, an extraterrestrial force, you know, for the first time. And so I think it, it, it just it was really interesting to see him. And that kind of shaped his character throughout the rest of the uh, the Infinity Saga, because that was his one of his main goals was try to put a, a suit of armor around the world. And um, it didn't you know, work out. Yeah, it didn't work out, of course. And that's what created Ultron. Yeah, and it it's shaped his character, you know, going forward. The whole Battle of New York, and I feel like that was a good, a portrayal of you know his reaction, you know, to learning of the vastness of the universe and everything that he's gonna have to deal with, and it really sets up, you know, the whole confrontation with Thanos because this is what he's been working towards, you know. Yeah, it's just really, really good the way uh, they portrayed uh, Josh Brolin as Thanos. Uh, really, really, really awesome. Uh, the CGI was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, the way that he takes off his armor, it makes him look like a thug, and he looks so awesome. And the way they gave him those uh, CGI muscles, so it's like... But um, uh, they have that mocap mask, so they got Josh Brolin, and then they... they um, do that stuff where they um, put an actor in a mocap suit and they uh, it captures their emotions and captures their uh, walking and their talking and they they use a computer to actually you know um, make them you know uh, move talk stuff like that uh, it oh, just yeah. happens like awesome and it's really really good uh-huh. oh yeah that that technology is so amazing uh, what they can do nowadays. I mean, it's crazy to see how far they've come, you know, from the Jurassic Park days, which is like one of the first major uses of of that, uh, you know, of 3D. And of course, yep. there were other examples before that that used 3D uh, in, in film. But that one was like really the one that kind of solidified, OK, this is this is the technology going forward. You know, um, beforehand, it was kind of a novelty to have like 3D stuff in your movies. And now it's essential. So um but yeah and you know nowadays it's uh, it's taking it up to like the you know taking it up to 11 you know with the the stuff that they can pull off it's, it's insane uh going back to iron man 3 um what do you think about the whole aldridge killian thing 
oh, it was very awesome. You know, I didn't expect it, but hey, you know, the flashback was really awesome. We get to see Jensen. Oh, yeah, cameo. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they mentioned that in Iron Man 1 about, uh, you know, how they met at a conference in, uh, where was it at? Uh, a conference in uh, Golmira? No, that, uh, that's where he was uh, held captive. I believe. Oh, uh, in uh, somewhere? I think it was in Switzerland or something oh, like Switzerland. that. Oh, right? Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah, Switzerland. It was during the millennium. Remember the millennium? Oh, yeah, the millennium. It was so awesome. But see a young older killer with his uh, hair down and or um, an AIM shirt. And he's like so shy, but he's looking up and the stars. And he's like, he's wondering, he's like, you know, I'm going to do something about this. Uh-huh. Yeah. But all in all, he was trying good to movie. Get, yeah, he was trying to get uh, Tony Stark to to join in on his think tank called AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics. And, yep. And he was blown off. And that's that's how he got his resentment for Tony Stark or something like that. It was a little goofy. I felt like he, he's playing like this really over-the-top nerdy character. Very, very, very goofy, uh, but although like excellent. Yeah, I feel like he could have toned it down a bit. Um and then, of course, later he builds Extremis, and he decides to... Uh, Put it know, in people, and of course it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was essentially combusting and turning people into bombs and stuff like that. So he had to write it off as all these explosions. He wrote it off as, like, terrorist attacks. Right? And that's why he created the Mandarin, I believe. Was yeah. He was trying to He pretend. created the Mandarin from a... Trevor Slattery, uh, drunk from uh, somewhere, but they found him and they say, you know, we want you to play this part of the Mandarin. And he's like, okay, lads, but we need more drugs. Lovely, lovely drugs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then um, eventually they uncover the plot and have to stop him. So what about the Iron Man suit in this movie? The Mark 42, what did you think of it? Oh, it was awesome. You know, we can, you know, shield Iron Man. It could shoot out, you know, little missiles. It can do all sorts of stuff. It can lift 10 times the weight of uh, anything. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. I love, uh, I like how, you know, he could fly the parts to him. He put those little uh, subdermal implants in his skin so he could bring the parts to him. That was that was neat. It's, I like, that's one thing I love about the, uh, you know, Iron Man in particular, uh, you could see the advancement of his technology. It was always improving, getting better. He was always learning from his mistakes. Um, and so he, you know, he would improve his suit every every movie. So in the first Iron Man, of course, it was this big, bulky, you know, thing. He had to use this giant machine uh, to put, your, you know, to put the suit on. And then eventually it became smaller and smaller. You see in Iron Man 2, he's at the Stark Expo. And he's using, uh, he uses like that little portable machine to put on his, take off his suit. And then eventually in Avengers, it's like this little platform that he stands on in Avengers Tower that takes off his suit. And at one point, he doesn't even have to wear an undersuit. He could just wear uh, the armor over any any of his clothing. And then eventually uh, the suit, I think by Iron Man 3, um, you know, of course, he's able to call pieces of the suit over and attaches to him. And then uh, at one point, the suit, you can, you, you know, it opens up like a canopy so you can just kind of step into it. You don't need, need, need a machine to put it on for you. And then eventually it becomes uh, like nanotech. So it's, it's just really neat to see that. But. Yep. Pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. But I thought the, that was a cool idea in, in Iron Man three to have like the little rocket powered suit parts that attach to him and he can, and he can attach it to other people. So we kind of got a hint of, uh, of what was to come with uh, pepper pots and rescue when, uh, uh, the Mandarin attacks uh, Tony's uh, Malibu home, and then uh, you know the uh, the bits of the house are falling and stuff like that. And, the, and then it's going to fall into the ocean, so he throws the suit onto Pepper Potts, and she's wearing the Iron Man suit. Uh, kind of gave us a little little early look at you know. Oh yeah, well, her wearing what uh, the future holds armor. for Marvel. Yeah, and eventually she became rescue. Yep. In um, Avengers and Infinity War, or Avengers in, uh, Endgame? Yeah, in Endgame. She got her rescue suit. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the whole thing where he goes to, uh, where was it, Tennessee or something like that? I think it was Tennessee. Yeah. And so oh, it was pretty, pretty awesome. After the, yeah, after his house is destroyed, uh, the suit uh, rescues him, and it takes him out of the area. 
and it fly it goes like on autopilot because he's knocked out at this point and then uh, it, all of a sudden he wakes up he's like flying and he's in like tennessee or something like that and he ends up in the snow and the suit runs out of power so he's he's left without his iron man suit and it's almost like taking him back to basics it's showing you that tony stark is more than just the guy in the suit Exactly. That, that was the argument that he and Cap had in Avengers, is that he's nothing without the suit. Yeah, you know, he he is what he is. You know, yeah. he's a billionaire who makes a lot of suits. Um, you know, he just, you know, does what he does. You know, he's Tony Stark. Uh-huh. Yeah, because remember Cap, he's like, you know, you take away the suit. You know, you just, uh, you're just a guy in a suit. You take that away. What do you have? And he's like, what do you say? Billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Yeah, genius, billionaire, billionaire genius billionaire playboy philanthropist and uh and then in iron man 3 we get to see you know see him put his money where his mouth is you know he's left without a suit um he tries to charge it but it, it it's uh it's very low power and so he has to go without it and when he has to try and investigate what's going on with all this extremist shit and uh yeah it's, it's, it's almost like uh, i think some people described it as putting tony back in the cave you know giving him nothing to work with and seeing what he can come up with. And he meets that kid uh, named Harley. Harley, uh, Which we meet in Endgame, but we don't see him. But it turns out he's a grown-up, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was there at the funeral. I remember uh, some people were asking, like, hey, uh, you, who is that kid at, at the funeral? And uh, at first I thought it was one of uh, uh, Hawkeye's kids, but now he was separate from that. And I was like, let, let me look it up. And then, oh, no, it was, uh, it was Harley Keener. From Iron Man three, that was that was interesting. I didn't I didn't recognize him. Like you said, he, he had grown up yep. since then. But uh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, and he he became he came to know Tony affectionately as the mechanic. Uh, and he was kind of a you know he was a kid from like a broken home, and he um, his dad had ran away, and he was just a, his mom who was always out working, so he was by himself a lot. Very smart kid. He was building stuff and in his. Uh, in his little room and eventually he ended up helping Tony throughout his adventure. What did you think about that whole aspect of it? Oh, it was awesome. You know, the whole friendship between Harley and Tony Stark, very, 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 very awesome. You know, the way it happens, but you know, I mean, you know, Marvel movie, Marvel movies are so awesome that, uh, um, to give credit where credit is due, you know, just, you know, just give it because you know, it's, it's awesome. Oh Yeah. And then in this movie, we get, uh, of course, Rhodey is back as... uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah. uh, Don Cheadle is back as Rhodey. And uh, he has the new Iron Patriot outfit, which is essentially just a repaint of uh, the Iron... uh, What was it called? The War Machine. War Machine. Sorry, I can't think today. That's okay. (laughs) You know, but but Bill Maher had a very, very small cameo. And, you know, Bill Maher is, you know, the talk show of uh, politically incorrect. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is interesting because in the uh, comic books, Iron Patriot was actually uh, Norman Osborn. He was the Iron Patriot. So it's a little switch up from the comic books, but uh, the suit was like spot on visually uh, from the comic books. Yeah, very patriotic. And you got Joan Rivers, who has a little cameo in there, but oh, yeah, that's very, right. very small cameo. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. Uh, I think she was talking about Iron Patriot, right? Yeah, she was talking about it for like a couple of minutes. And I guess her that was her cameo. So yeah, it is what it is. Miguel Ferrer, who was in there, may he rest in peace. Oh, uh, yeah. He was in there. I think that was his last uh, appearance for a Marvel movie. So, yeah. He's known for being a Robocop. He's known for Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. He is known for being in uh, the TV show Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, he was he was in that. I didn't I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, he was in that movie. I still don't understand uh, what, what what was Killian because he kid, he kidnapped the president. I don't know what was his end game with that. I don't know. Oh yeah, the, the thing was that I know he wanted to make extremists, you know, grow arms and whatnot and he just kidnapped the president so he just wanted, you know, a ransom or whatever he wanted, but I don't know. I uh maybe I need to watch that movie again. I don't know. I felt like his his plan was a little convoluted and then there was that awkward scene where he, I don't know what he he put the president in in the uh Iron Patriot suit. I thought it was a little different. And but... then he planned on blowing him up. 
I know it was just weird, and then it was it was awkward Way too because dark. the president who was played by uh, what's his name, the William point? Sadler, William William Sadler, who plays uh, Death and Bill and Ted, uh, awesome yeah, actor, a wonderful actor, um, and it was it was just weird because he had like when they put him in the Iron Patriot suit, he wasn't actually in the suit. Uh, they just kind of copied and pasted his head in there, and it just looked really awkward. He had like this floating head thing going on. Uh, it was just a really weird scene. Yeah, it was just like, super, like, super uh, weird. All in all, I gave it two thumbs up and ten stars for just ten stars. Awesome, being wow. awesome. Wow, that's a really high recommendation. Very, very high recommendation. Uh, yeah, even with that, uh, it was it was still a, a better movie than people make it out to be. Well, yeah, um, I mean, we don't give it enough credit for it, but it's awesome either way. Either way, if it was a fake Mandarin or if it was the real Mandarin, I mean, I understand what, you know, the critics were saying, you know, it made them upset because, you know, they want to see the real Mandarin in the Iron Man 3. Turns out he was a washed up actor. Yeah. But then they got the real Mandarin in Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, which I highly recommend. I give it two thumbs up. Oh yeah, definitely. Awesome. Stuff. When you think about all those, uh, the plethora of Iron Man suits in this movie. Oh, it was awesome. I thought he was gonna wear them all, but I don't know what happened. I guess he was just gonna yeah. blow them up. I guess. Yeah, because I guess out of you know because of his PTSD, you know he 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 thought that yeah, I'm just gonna build a bunch of suits, a bunch of suits, so I could protect myself. And uh, I feel like it was a little overwhelming in the movie. I feel like it didn't need to be so many. Um, it was just, you know, just a lot of noise on screen for for a little bit of, uh, for a whole lot of nothing almost. Um, I mean, it was neat, that last action scene, and he was kind of hopping from suit to suit, and um, I don't know. It was just, uh, I feel like it was just a little overkill. There were some neat moments, like when he used this, the, the silver centurion armor, but then they get, you know, get chopped, in, they, I think it got chopped in half or something like that, and then he had like that. It was almost like a proto Hulkbuster suit. Oh yeah, uh, I remember that. That was, was called, awesome. Uh, it was called like um, Igor, or yeah, yeah, or something like that. It was like a heavy lifting suit, and uh, there was all kinds of different suits. They all had their own names and stuff, but you barely even saw them. I thought I think I felt it was kind of waste. They designed all these specific suits, and they didn't really use them to their full potential. But uh, all in all, it was it was interesting. I gave uh, it two thumbs up. Yeah. What you think awesomeness. about the whole like Killian? Like, uh, remember the whole part where he's like, "I am the Mandarin," and I thought it was pretty, pretty weird. But I mean, yeah. it is what it is. But I just think that that cloak and dagger stuff—it's just so unnecessary. But it's a plot. It's yeah. a movie. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it got the story moving forward. I guess. Yep. Um. And then the whole fight scene, uh, at first you think Pepper Potts is dead because remember he gave her Extremis and then apparently it ended up taking because if it doesn't take, you end up blowing up. And if it takes to you, then you get the the powers of being being able to melt things and whatnot. And uh, at first you're not sure if Pepper is going to survive. And then all of a sudden, and then, she and, does. Like, and then she falls into like a flaming explosion. You think she's dead, but it turns out Extremis was accepted into her body and she survived and she had powers and then she had helped beat up Killian and whatnot. And they ended up blowing him up in the end. But uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of a weird scene. Uh, Pepper Potts fighting a in little, her, little different, fighting but in her sports bra. All in all, <laughs> uh, very, very good. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a very, very good movie. So I highly recommend it to anyone who else is a fan of Iron Man. So, I just encourage you to watch one, two, and three. Oh yeah, uh, that was that was pretty fun talking about uh, Christmas, non-Christmas movies. Oh uh, yeah, well, it was really, really, yeah. really fun. So uh, have a happy, uh, happy half Christmas, everybody. Uh, now we're going to move on to another little segment. Uh, this is our first uh, time doing it on this show, but uh, uh, I want to make a little segment where we can just kind of allow ourselves to go off topic we're not going to stop ourselves this time we're gonna nope. we're gonna go off topic yep in our new segment going off topic uh where we can just talk about random things that we've seen yeah um how about that obi-wan kenobi oh that was finale. so awesome the finale was so awesome i like the part where darth vader's like you know have you come to kill me obi-wan and then, of course james Earl jones's voice is fantastic 
And of course, they got a re-speech to re-speech his voice because, you know, James Earl Jones' voice is not what it used to be. But all in all, it's fantastic. And I just like the way where Obi-Wan is just fighting, you know, Darth Vader for the first time in the finale. And of course, you know, we just get that scene from, you know, the Revenge of the Sith where he's fighting, you know, Anakin Skywalker. And, you know, they have the blue sabers and they're fighting each other. And it's just pretty, pretty sad. But all in all... I think the Kenobi series is really, 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 really good. I hope they pick it up for a second season if they can. Definitely. Yeah, I would like to see more. It's kind of sad to think that this might be the last time we see uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Uh, so hopefully he does some more stuff. I feel like there's a little bit more uh, story in there. Uh, maybe the next season they could advance it a few years and you could have him uh, in that sweet transition spot right where he's he's starting to look like uh alec guinness a little bit gray hair they could they should do that they got the same um i actually looked in a, a featurette of the uh, revenge of the sith and it turns out that ewan mcgregor and Al goodness had the same uh of uh, the structure and the nose the same mouth the same uh the, the bridge of the nose uh oh, really the same stuff but it's like when you put those two pictures together it's the same you know, it's Ian McGregor with gray hair looking like Al Kidness, so that's really, really good. Nice. But it's so fantastic the way he's channel, uh, channeling Al Kidness, but still being Ian McGregor. Uh-huh. I still like the fact that, you know, uh, it's just awesome, and I hope they pick it up for a second season if they can. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then I believe they're doing that uh, Reva spinoff, so that's going to be that's gonna be interesting. I, I want to see that. But yeah, I really want to see it. Yeah, her character was so good. Um, I love how you know her her character had that moment of change because she uh, in this finale episode. Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, but uh, she decides uh, she's going to make one last uh, ditch effort to get revenge against um, Vader. So she goes after Luke. She learns of Luke Skywalker on Tatooine, and she uh, decides to go after uh, him. And then uh, Owen and Aunt Beru, they do everything they can to try and protect him. Uh, they hit some blasters in the walls of their homestead, and uh, man, they're they're just like uh, a plus parents there. They're just they're they're trying to take on uh, uh, Riva, uh, even though she's a force user. She has a lightsaber. You know they they hold their own, and eventually uh, she chases down Luke in the desert. Uh, but she has a change of heart, you know. She uh, she had flashbacks to when she was a youngling, and uh, she uh, was betrayed. Order sixty six. Yeah, when she was betrayed by Anakin, and uh, as she was trying to strike down Luke, um, she decided she couldn't do it. You know, it was it was too triggering, and you know she had that change of heart. And I, f- I feel like this is going to be, uh, you know, what's going to set up her own story. You know, her turn to the light side, hopefully. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, uh, I would definitely uh, give that series a watch. What do you yep. think about her story? Oh, I thought it was very interesting the way um, she was a part of Order 66 and she was a youngling and um, she didn't know about that stuff. But now we get into further of her story. She oh, has yeah. a bigger arc. Yeah, it was a wonderful story arc. Nice little surprise. Uh, I expected, you know, just to be about Obi-Wan and Luke. And then we got, we had a whole bunch of surprises in this series, you know, about, I didn't expect there to be a young Leia and then on top of that, we got a bunch of new interesting characters. I even liked the one character uh, played by... Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, him. He was great. And then um, the one that was that fake Jedi. The one that was played by uh, Kumail Nanjani. Uh, the one from Eternals. And uh, a wonderful actor. Uh, what did you think about that character? Oh, he was very, very funny, you know. But I didn't know he was going to appear in there. But I think it was like a cameo or yeah. appearance. Yeah, it was a little little more than a cameo. But it, yeah, he, he he ended up having that bit uh, like early on in the series and he came back. But yeah, I liked him. He's a great actor. Uh, I don't know if you've seen yep. the movie The Big Sick. Uh, he was wonderful in that. And then, of course, uh, Eternals wasn't my favorite, but not really. But it was very, very different. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were he, make he, it, you know, he did a good job. Different. He did a good job as Kingo. He did a good, good job. And then uh, they even ran for the, they even referenced him in uh, in Miss Marvel, which I've also been watching. I don't know if you've been watching Miss Marvel. Uh, good show. I think I saw a clip of it, but yeah, I, I get the, you know. I feel like I feel like uh, not to get too off topic here. Let's get too off topic. But we we are in the segment called getting off topic, so it it should be fitting. 
uh, I feel like uh, Miss Marvel kind of uh, got shortchanged because they put it out at the same time as Obi-Wan. I feel like now that Obi-Wan's over, it would have been the perfect time to debut Miss Marvel. It kind of got overshadowed by it. But uh, now that you, now that we're done watching uh, Obi-Wan, you could start watching Miss Marvel. Yep. Yeah, I would suggest it a lot. It's a, it's a great show. You know what? I think this uh, wraps it up. Uh, for yep. this edition of The Men Who Watch Movies. Uh, my name is Alec. And my name DJ, the movie man Wagner. And thank you for celebrating half Christmas with us. We hope uh, you enjoyed you our guys. show. And yep. we hope that you keep, keep on, on watching. watching. Take care, guys. Happy adieu, day. Adieu. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Hasta la vista, baby.